It's said that Hermes, messenger of the gods, instructed primitive peoples in the arts and sciences of culture, giving birth to humanity as we now know it. From the Hermetic perspective, everything is connected by core principles that are seamlessly woven into the holographic and fractal nature of reality. My job is to expose those hermetic principles to modern people and to inspire an alchemical renaissance so we can collectively integrate them with terrestrial arts and sciences for a more beautiful and sustainable human experience. My name is Phoenix Aurelius. I'm the founder of Alchemiculture, which is a perennial philosophy that incorporates hermetic and alchemical principles into every aspect of human culture, the arts, the sciences, and our relationship with nature and natural resources. Join me as we actively weave Hermeticism back into our social fabric. So I'm curious to know your opinion on um, perhaps why the West in general has a, such a dangerous uh, leaning towards one side within the sociopolitical spectrum. Yeah, so... Just my opinion, <clears throat> opinion, my observation on this is that the majority of humans, like an inordinate amount, 97% plus, are herd animals or live their lives in that way. They don't have enough originality. They have just enough to be like, oh, I bought this color of this brand of shoes and that distinguishes me. They don't have originality like, oh, I made my own shoes or this is my own design or you know, I want to walk barefoot or, you know, whatever. Yeah, they're given what they can be original to. Exactly. They're herd animals, which means that they need to have a shepherd of some sort, a keeper of some sort. Mm -hmm. And in ages past, there are lots of different types of shepherds that can exist. Many of them of a religious or a shamanic origin, but many of them also... Um, just being like a king or a queen or a monarchy or, you know, some, some sort of government. And that keeps this sociological context for how these herd animals live their lives. Mm. Not to say that they've always been ethical either. Perhaps at certain cases we could point to some that are more ethical than others, but there's always abuses inside of that system, right? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I'm not saying that now is any better or worse than in ages past. But what has changed is that now we don't really, even though government is still there, it is more of a farce than it's ever been before because now we're working under a corporatocracy, really. Mm -hmm. Wherever money is made, that's the way that rules are established. That's the way that context is made. So if you see somebody with money that is paid to do something, like let's talk about Air Jordans, for instance, you know, you look at this figure that you really like and say, I want to be like him. How can I be like him? And a corporate entity like Nike, for instance, says, I'll tell you what, you can wear the same shoes as him and that will make you look like him. Mm -hmm. And so they'll make some Jordans and then people will say, like, in order for me to be as much like that individual as possible, I will wear the clothing. Like, I will wear shirts that have that logo. I will wear the, you know, whatever that has that logo. Mm -hmm. Just to be able to identify with that egregore. And that seems to be really dangerous. Corporations these days govern the entirety of our human originality. Every single part of it. And the more that we 
continue on with um, our daily lives and thinking like, oh, this brand of food, like this fast food chain, I really like this fast food chain. I don't like, and you know, this other type of food, like basically what it does is it gives you this polarized opinion of a very narrow percentage of reality and allows people to stay within that. Mm. Also we have uh, with social media now, Mm. this crazy aspect of virtue signaling and of who is like, who is on my same wavelength versus who isn't. Oh yeah. And that has become dangerous to the utmost degree in my experience because people now are identifying based on this narrow percentage of reality that they are exposed to instead of being aware of all of the other forms of consciousness or other realities that concomitantly exist that they can learn from or help to understand like they are choosing right or left Mm -hmm. there's no middle way right right and that has polarized us in a really dangerous way Mm -hmm. so you know these days we see that there are i hate this term but they call themselves truthers Mm -hmm. and it's like this far right-wing kind of thing um i think that actually they are the better of the two parties in a certain way if i had to choose because they're more about liberty and... They're like libertarian kind of... Yeah, like they have a lot more libertarian aspects. They're more about freedom. They're more about individuality. They're more about choice. They're more about uh, taking responsibility for schooling mm. uh, of your children, of, mm. you know, taking responsibility for the raising. They're all about like the freedom of my beliefs, my choices, my things. And not so much about like, let me impose this idea on you. Yeah. The yeah. thing I don't like about that movement in any way, shape, or form is that they're acting like they're constantly the victims of other individuals, namely Wokers. Sure. That I also hate that term. It doesn't even make sense. I but, can't stand it either. But they stand for inclusivity, which, uh, again, like if you isolate any, any of the individual properties of what these people are looking at, it's not either or. It's both are absolutely necessary in certain and tempered ways. Um, yes, I think the tempered part is is really important because it seems like people who are, uh, they call themselves woke or that agenda or that those individuals, it seems like the inclusivity is within the parameters that they set. Correct. And if you aren't... Uh, agreeing to those specific parameters then like you're the worst person in the world and it and it seems ironic to say that we are interested in inclusivity when it's so there's so many boundaries that go in with that and it's very rigid oh completely and it's very contradictory and you'll find that both camps are actually contradicting themselves all Mm -hmm. the time but if not in word definitely in action but um yeah, with the with the wokers, it's all about like radical acceptance, inclusivity, mm. uh, radical environmentalism. Radical. It's just it's ultra radical and polarized in one one particular direction. Right. Um, what's interesting about that is that that's an economic movement. Mm-hmm. They are economically incentivized to be that way. Mm-hmm. It's no different than the Chinese Communist Party's social credit system. 
the more that you virtue signal what you stand for that seems to be good, whether that's veganism, vegetarianism, uh, LGBTQ rights, you know, yeah. drag queen story time, <laughs> yeah, you know, like all of these <clears throat> things that um, are now in, in social consciousness. It's to a radical degree, and if you don't believe it, and again, notice my words, don't believe it, right? then you're wrong. Yeah. Which means that they've turned their entire movement into a, like a religion, basically. Like, it derives its power from its system of belief. Yeah, it is. It's more of a faith-based acceptance. It is. Right. Wow, that's a really interesting perspective on it. So, and you get the same thing with the truthers, like... Do you believe in freedom? Do you believe in your rights? Like, I don't believe that I should be... Like, realistically, if we get to the heart of it, I can respect anybody and everybody's beliefs, but beliefs are fucking ridiculous. Because this table has four legs and a back, a very strong hard back, and so I can believe that this table is a turtle. And I can give you all the reasons why I think so. And there are subjective reasons that I could argue to say, no, this is definitely a turtle. Mm -hmm. But objectively, it is not. Yeah. And so we are constantly taking a look at all of the subjective reasons why people should believe in the egregores and the movements and the support Ukraine and the this thing and, yeah. and the yeah. that thing and the yeah. Trump and the, you know, whatever mm -hmm. on both sides of the spectrum. And they're only looking at a small percentage of things and it's economically incentivized for people to do that through the marketing that they receive on their social networks through like, that's, that's what drives what this division and yeah. people aren't aware of how the marketing algorithms work and how it's scanning. AI is scanning every word that you're saying to be able to market something to you yeah. and market people to you. Oh, you may like this friend. Oh, you may like this friend. And so your whole world becomes a crazy echo chamber of your beliefs and then it's you versus the others yeah and so wow so dangerous so dangerous so yeah. dangerous and so in this day and age people in my opinion need to become hyper aware of what they really are and what they really stand for and step away from the politics step away from the corporations that are trying to market to them or you know what they may like or the people that share opinions that are similar to them or different than them because none of that matters at the mm -hmm. core basis of it we are humanity and we are being you know guided in a direction that is not conducive for the future of humanity mm. on either side of the spectrum and all we have to do literally is just take one big step back and start talking to our neighbors again mm. Never in the history of mankind have we ever cared about if John Doe next door has all of the same values that I have. You find common ground with yeah. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think, like, why would you want everyone to think the same way that you thought? Nothing would get done. There'd be no... If everybody's <clears throat> thinking alike, then somebody isn't thinking. Yeah, that. I like that. That's So in a, a quick a, a question that came up in my mind is, like, do you feel like this is where the benefit of some of the practices that you teach on, like, like Spigeria, alchemy, like these practices align us as individuals with like the volition of our soul. And that kind of creates more of um, um, an authentic direction that is outside 
of what the kind of we're being marketed to? Well, my own stance is that it's done that for me. And I try and present that in a way, I try and present my teachings in a way that it can be utilized by people for whatever it is that they want it to be utilized for. Mm -hmm. But especially as it comes to like the concepts of transpersonal alchemy, you learn how to be able to utilize psychological processes that mirror the laboratory processes so that you can perform the same types of exaltation and transform transformations in the psyche and in the self that you would be able to in a laboratory environment uh, with physical materials. And my hope is that people choose to utilize that responsibly and for their own betterment so that they can, right. you know, one, become healthy and find out what earth-based living really is all about. And when I say mm -hmm. earth-based living, I don't just mean like buying certified organic foods or, you know, like, again, right. stepping back from, from the corporatocracy, but just learning where, where does food really come from? Well, it comes from the earth. That's earth-based living. Like if I, if I want to eat three months from now, I better damn well put seeds in the ground today. Mm. It's not mm -hmm. a, I work today, I get food today. Like that system of reward an appreciation of value happens in a different way in nature. You can just like the time that it takes, like if you just want to go out and recklessly hunt deer so that you have, you know, food for your freezer, you won't have food for your freezer next year. Right. You know, yeah. because you have over hunted that population. Like we have to learn about the principles of stewardship and replication and breeding. And we have to know that on a species by species basis. And the same thing applies to, vegetation like i can grow some greens in a 30-day period whereas if i want root veggies 60 to 120 days easy mm. you know and so we have to like really learn what it is that we're consuming and how the earth actually provides it and how we can steward the earth in order to be able to provide not only what we need but to give back to nature as well who provided that as a gift in the first place and make sure there's enough for all of the other organisms out there that depend on that as food and home materials and right, you know right. whatever else yeah. so that's one thing is like learning about our physiology and our physiological basis for survival and our earth-based living i think that that is you know the salt of the alchemical equation mm, mm -hmm. but then also learning about the sulfur of the alchemical equation as it relates to the individual is like what is it that I'm doing and do I feel fulfilled with what I'm doing? Most people live to hate their work. That's yeah. literally what they do, if not by word, definitely by action. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you take that work away from them, then they complain, oh, there's no work. I can't live. Well, yeah. first of all, you can tell that they have no basis in earth-based living when they think that way. But secondly, they've never really intrinsically stopped to think about like what what is my contribution? What are my talents? What are my skills? What are my interests? And how can I better my society and my culture through offering what it is that I'm passionate about hmm. and being able to do that in a way that is culturally desirable and culturally wanted and appreciated? Because if we did that, it didn't matter whether, you know, you were like, you know, doing some sort of seemingly meaningless task or whether you had a very important role in society, as long as it fulfills you, then you're living a fulfilling lifestyle and not going to be susceptible to the types of psychological diseases like depression, anxiety, right. and hatred, Absolutely. you know, manic uh, behaviors and, 
you know, all, all of these weird things, ambivalence towards people and society and self mm. that we deal with uh, in, in gross numbers today. Mm. And then spiritually, we also need to be able to find that singular core aspect that connects us to all of creation, to everybody and everything else. Mm. Because the things that we do, the disciplines that we have should tap us in to that sense of singularity. That's where all inspiration and all animation and all life force really comes from. And so if we can find things that we can do on the daily, whether this is religious or not religious, it really doesn't matter. Um, it, it, you know, playing volleyball could be a spiritual task if it's something that you do that grants you greater life force every day. Right, I see. Help you tap into that sense of, you know, unity, you know, yeah. and that could happen in myriad <clears throat> ways for people. You know, it really doesn't matter. Well, it's interesting you, you, you brought that up because as you were speaking about these things, it kind of came to my mind where I was like, well, how accessible is are those three principles that you suggested? How accessible are those things for us as modern people in this culture? Because like if we if we lived like a hundred years ago, maybe even longer ago, it's a bit more accessible. I feel like to learn earth based living or understand how people's personal interests can benefit society as well as themselves, and understand how spirituality can benefit both ways as well. And it seems like, at least for myself, it seems like it's it's really hard to incorporate or find access to those things when you feel like you're like a wage slave and you're just kind of working. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, religion has dominated that spiritual aspect and tried to create the filter over what amount of life force you can have. Yeah. Um, the creation of the, the Catholic church and then all different subsects of Christianity that have been evolved out of that since then are really notorious for hijacking our spiritual capacity to feel connected and it's like if you don't do it this way you know if you don't feel it through the christ then there's no way for you to be saved there's no way you know there's no salvation for you there's no and so there's definitely a hijacking and so in certain ways in ages past there was less of a filter and in today's age there's been a massive de-emphasis on yeah. that as well um and as a result, in some ways, we have more freedoms than what we had 100 years ago even in order to be able to find our own connection, our mm. own point of spirituality. But because we're so soulless and spiritless in the modern age, we're just wage slaves, like you said. Yeah. You have to even want to be aware of that fact. If you don't even want to be aware of that fact there's no chance that you would ever want to develop some sense of spirituality right, right so desire and volition come into play about that and to some degree just awareness of like oh i can choose what my connection to spirituality is and what that means to me mm -hmm. with the the slave wage thing you know, we've been taught, like, you have, at least in the United States and in most of the developed world, like, you have to, after secondary school, you have to go to, 
university, you have to go to trade school, you have to do this, and then you get your job, and then you just do that job, and that's that. And it doesn't matter if you like it or not, because you have responsibilities, mm -hmm. and you have to live in this house that we sold you, and pay this mortgage that we imposed upon you, and so on and so oh, forth. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if we go 2,000 years in the past, you find an area that perhaps you want to live, it is assuming that you're not a migratory individual, mm -hmm. you know, part of a migratory tribe, mm -hmm. and you end up finding the resources that nature gave you to be able to build your house. So if you're in a place with abundant rocks, you build that house and now you have your dwelling and you had to put in time and labor and borrow things from the environment, but eventually it's all gonna return to the environment because they're all natural things and mm -hmm. you, you have a place to live. And now what do you do? You have to focus on your survival. Are there, you know, if you're an agricultural people, do you grow the crops? You know, what animals are you going to steward and are you going to keep and how are you going to harvest them? And, you know, like all of these different components need to be taken care of. And so what you do to fulfill yourself is what you do in your free time. And is mm -hmm. that like making cave paintings, you know, right. is that making art? Is that, uh, you know, hanging out with your buddies down at the pub? Is that, you know, whatever it is that gives you your sense of expression and creativity and freedom is something that you don't necessarily have to do as part of your job. And you do, didn't, in the in ages past, you didn't have to monetize the things that you mm, like. Right. You can see right. today, everybody develops a passion and because you, we don't have time or effort to do that passion unless it makes us money because mm. there's so much you know, wage slavery, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Im imposed upon us that people will find something they're mildly passionate about, box themselves in and create an entire industry or business out of it, only usually to fall on their face, yeah. take the thing that they loved and make it a point of resentment in their life. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. that forces them again to conform back into the system and to live very unfulfilled and, you know, scowling <clears throat> face lives. Yeah. That's an interesting thing too, because I think um, I think we're even trained here in the West that it's it's like okay, what do you like? What are you good at? Okay, we'll make a job out of it. Yep. And uh, that is an unfortunate thing, I I believe. You know, they used to say, well, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, I'm here to tell you that is complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> You will work harder, you'll be underpaid, and mm. you, it, it's constantly an uphill battle. And it takes somebody with a ton of grit and a ton of determination to be able to overcome those odds. And they try and sell those virtues of like grit, determination, like yeah. as something that anybody can have. And it's very much so a personality thing. Like mm. most people are not born with that. Mm -hmm. um, that type of endurance, like, yeah, I fell on my face 6,000 times. And on the 6,001st time, I learned what not to do so much that by process of elimination, I learned what to do by accident. I stumbled upon it. Like that is not uh, a quality that you find in humanity that frequently, to be perfectly honest. But they try and sell that to you. Like, oh yeah, just do what you love. Um, yeah, it's not that easy. Like, I may love animals. If I go and create an animal you know, training uh, camp and, and a daycare and whatever else, they didn't teach you how to do the taxes. They didn't let you know that there were all of these other you yep. know, bookkeeping things and oh, this yeah. and that and you know how to attain the, cli <clears throat> the clients and whatever. You just mm -hmm. love the animals. Yeah. And so um, 
there's so much more to it that you have to learn and you have to be willing to grow inordinately in order to be able to make it work. And that's not what most people are asking for. Mm -hmm. Most people are just saying, how can I get by and not hate my life and resent the people that are in it for the the situation I find myself in? Right. And that's what I mean by most people are heard people. And I think that if people can get really honest with themselves and realize, because everybody wants to be the herdsman, right? Because they see it as having privilege, but all privilege has immense responsibility to it. And we tend to look at anything that glitters as being gold. And so we only see the privilege. We don't see the responsibility that comes with yeah, that. Yeah. And we end up saying like, oh, I want to be the herdsman. I want to... Are you capable of being a responsible herdsman? Because that doesn't mean that just because you have a whole herd that you get to cull the sheep however you want. Right. It means that you have to actually consciously take a look at the numbers. You have to be able to think about like, how many herds do I have? How much wool is each of those producing? What is the income of the wool versus the income of the meat that would come in. The meat may be faster money really quick because there's less to it. The butchering, the processing goes a whole lot faster than you know tanning the skin, tanning the hide, making the wool blankets, making the wool rugs, uh, you know, the combing, the looming, the threading, the you know, all these things for the clothing. But in reality, you need to be able to steward the entire health of the flock. You need to think about the entire flock in the way that nature does, assuming that you are the entirety of nature to this this flock. You need to have the land, you need to have the grazing space, blah, blah, blah. Just like you can't grow your flock more than the space that you have to be able to graze them or to be able to keep their, you know, keep them fed and, mm-hmm. and whatever mm-hmm. else. There is always a limitation to that. And these things weigh on the herdsman more immeasurably more than most people would ever think of. And right. they're responsible for all the tools, all the upkeep, all the maintenance, all the everything from A to Z of the lives of all of the herd. Yeah. yeah. That's an immense amount of responsibility. And so people just want the privilege of, oh, I want the ability to choose like who lives and who dies. Wouldn't that be so great? Wouldn't it be so great to have all the money and all the income, you know, blah, but that's not the way that it works. Like the herdsmen have a lot on their plate. Yeah. And if we could just have more ethical and sustainable principles that determine who herds people are versus who the herd is and more giving back to the herd in ways that actually show the appreciation for those resources, I think that alone could actually change the entire sociological spin of humanity. And I think that we might be able to point to certain cultures or even certain time periods across vast swaths of land where there were those types of um, mores, shall we say, sociologically. But more often than not, I think it gets predated upon, Mm. um, you know, so. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better.